0: Listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Love Talk Live. Today, I have with me the incredible Aura Nadrich.
0: Welcome. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me.
1: So happy you're here. It was a little traffic on the highway. We're starting a little there later. There
0: was. There was sunset. Five o'clock. <laughs> But I'm here, and that's all that matters, yeah. Yeah,
1: I I told her she should just hire, you know, like, just get an airplane or something or some kind of, like, (laughs) helicopter. But luckily, we're flexible around here, and it's okay to start a little late. Absolutely, yeah. So welcome. So Aura works with mindfulness and a lot more. Um, Her newest book is called Live True. And I'm going to read to you guys a little bit about her Um, so you can get a little you know, bit of a feel, and then we'll just get into all the fun, amazing, inspirational content we're going to be talking about. So Aura Nadrich is the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and author of Live True, a Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. She also wrote a book called Says Who, One Simple Question That Can Change the Way You Think Forever. Pretty powerful. She is a certified life coach and mindfulness teacher. She specializes in transformational thinking, self-discovery, and mentoring new coaches as they develop their careers. You can learn more about Aura's work at the IFTT.org, which we'll go over also how you can contact her and everything at the end of the show. Um, and also Aura Nadrich, O-R-A-N-A-D-R-I-C-H, her name should be on the screen, um, .com. So, Hi. Hi. <laughs> My first question, which I'm sure a lot of people always ask you, is how did you get into this world? How did you become passionate about, I guess, the powerfulness of mindfulness?
0: Well, that answer can take a really long time. So I'm going to give you the sort of, I don't know, the, the condensed version, if you will, in that, you know, I like to say that I think I've been a seeker my whole life. I think I've been somebody who really wanted to know more and wanted answers and specifically to mindfulness mindfulness is the practice of being present and I remember as a little girl, I love to lay in a big field of grass and look up at the sky and watch the clouds move across the sky. And in meditation, one of the things that is said about our thoughts is to observe your thoughts as if they're like the clouds moving across the sky. So I'm telling you that because I think that I was naturally inclined to yeah. walk the path of mindfulness, if you will. And I think that probably says a lot about all of us. And The beauty of mindfulness is it's something that is in the mainstream today and yet we can connect to it and see how there are aspects of our personality that have practiced mindfulness. So that's who I was as a little girl. Fast forward to years later, I always wanted to be an actress. That's what I declared myself to be at 10 years old. And then when I was just about to turn 15, my oldest sister, Esther, who I loved so much, had a mental breakdown. I had two sisters. My other sister is is with me still. And I had a brother who's passed away as well. And when she had a breakdown, it turned my entire world upside down. It was devastating. It was shocking. It was tragic. There there are no words for what had happened to her. And it really as I said, it turned my world upside down and unbeknownst to me, I actually went into trauma because I I went into deep fight or flight. I was so frightened by what happened to her that oftentimes when we go into fight or flight, we tell ourselves things because we think our survival is threatened. Mm -hmm. So what came to the foreground in my mind was, oh my God, if that can happen to her, it can happen to me. So you were 15. And I was 15 and I buried that thought and kind of, you know, went on my way and, you know, it was a very trying time and really, you know, unbeknownst to my parents and to no fault of theirs because they were dealing with a child that was in crisis, I actually did experience trauma. So what happened was is that I started to feel anxiety and it got worse and then I was able to somehow manage it and shove it down. Then fast forward again where I became an actress and my career started to take off pretty quickly and I started working in episodic TV and commercials, but then the anxiety kept rearing its head. So it started to affect my career, meaning that it was it was affecting the quality of my life to such a point that it was hard for me to pursue my career. I knew I needed help. I took a deep dive into so many psychospiritual modalities and therapies and everything i can get my hands on and it wasn't until i went into Jungian analysis that i really came face to face with my biggest fear and it took a long time for me to realize that that thought that i had told myself what happened to her was going to happen to me had basically ruled my life and i lived in fear so Fast forward again. I got tremendous benefits out of my union analysis. It helped me tremendously. It helped me really uh, transform this this tragedy into something that I could live my life and know that I was destined to do what I needed to do. And fast forward again, um, became a life coach, and then became an author. and I started to study mindfulness because I became a mindfulness meditation teacher. And once I really came to learn about the practice of mindfulness, I fell madly in love with this practice that I feel is life-changing and really devoted my work to to it. So all of my work, my writings, my books, and all of it is very mindfulness-based. I love it.
1: Now, for people that are out there that, let's say they've never heard of mindfulness or medita- they've heard of meditation, but what would you say for somebody who is just a beginner of not even like how to do it, but, but how it literally impacts your life and changes
0: your life? Well, I like to break it down to what is mindfulness, why practice mindfulness, and yeah. how do you practice mindfulness?
1: Because I feel like people... A lot of people out there they they're like, "Okay, I'll meditate," but they don't really know the purpose. So if you say, "If you meditate, your life's going to change in this way," you know, it gives them more incentive to I feel like if they when they really understand it, and I feel like you
0: are such a person, yeah. you know, such a great person to explain it. And well, it is an incredibly it's an evidence-based practice that has tremendous benefits to it just like meditation does. But I realize that not everybody can do it not everybody wants to do it and these types of practices are so beneficial that, it, that what i say is you have to really decide if you want to integrate practices in your life that can really change your life it can reduce stress it can reduce anxiety i mean there's so many benefits to what these practices do mindfulness specifically because people sometimes think oh well mindfulness meditation is one and the same they are in that meditation is a formal practice where you're sitting down you're sitting down for you have your zendan you have your zendan <laughs> whatever that is looks like for you you have your practice if you have one if you don't that's okay too in that you make a date with yourself to sit down and meditate and you help yourself be more present by doing things like focusing on the breath or maybe speak you know saying a mantra or there are many different types of meditations that people seek out. When I started meditation, I started with transcendental meditation, TM, which was a uh, Sanskrit-based mantra that was taught to me. So I would would repeat that mantra when my mind started to wander, and that's Mm -hmm. what meditation does. Meditation helps you quiet the mind, and that's why it's so beneficial, because our mind is busy, and we think between 40 and 70,000 thoughts a day, and according to a research out I of think Harvard women more. <laughs> probably women more. More emotional thoughts of women as women. And we our mind, according to the research out of Harvard, is our mind wanders almost fifty percent of the time. So it needs our help. Mm-hmm. Things like mindfulness and meditation help us. Mindfulness, the practice of being present, doesn't mean you're just present when you're on a meditation pillow or a yoga mat. What mindfulness does is you get up from that meditation and you don't suddenly become distracted and you don't suddenly become not kind and you suddenly don't become all the things that we tend to do. So here we etch out a certain amount of time to be present and then boom, what do we do? We go get our coffee, we jump in our car, we're on our phones, we're on our devices. We're not being very mindful. So mindfulness helps us stay present during the rest of the day.
1: And I'm just thinking, you know, it's, if you're going to take the time, it's an investment in time and money sometimes if you go to a place, a group meditation. So if you're going to invest the time and money, you might as well then take it into the rest of your life to actually get the benefits, right?
0: Absolutely. And I think that the reason why people maybe aren't so excited or those that don't want to continue a practice of meditation is because Then you're finished with the meditation and you're kind of at the effect of life and you don't really see the benefits. and Unless you really make the commitment and say, okay, I'm going to commit to meditating on a regular basis. And what that helps you realize is that you take that practice out in the world. And again, that's what mindfulness does. So there are ways in which we can take those practices by staying present and being mindful when we're in the present moment and to try to implement that with our relationships, when we're talking to people, when we're having interviews with people. We're here. We're here, exactly right. And that's what I say, you know, we're here when we're really wanting to be here or when something is asked of us. I mean, we're having this interview. I don't know about you, but I'm not thinking about what I'm gonna have for dinner. I'm sitting here in the present moment having this conversation with you because I want to have it. I want it to go well. I'm interested in this and I wanna bring the best of myself forward. So if we could take these examples of how we're present and bring them into again, our relationships, our workplace, and all the activities of our day when we're eating. I was gonna say, yeah, people say, think about the food, you know, feel the food. Yeah, and I know that you Chew. can't and you can't you can't do that with every meal. Right. And I know that people sometimes, you know, even in the way in which you just said that, people say, Oh, that's not realistic. Well, you'd be surprised that even if you're hurried for time, which we are, we're busy people. But if we don't even note to self, which I have in lived True, these notes to self, and what mindfulness does is it makes us aware of we catch ourselves rushing through a meal. So we can say, okay, let me, let me take a couple of breaths. Let me slow it down. Where do I need to go that I can't you know, even enjoy my meal? Like am I getting on a plane? Is there someone you know? There a bear. Coming it is, yeah, is, is my survival <laughs> threatened? My you know, we're not hunter and gatherers anymore. Right. You know, we don't have to go hunt for our food and you know be afraid that a sab- you know saber tooth tiger is going to jump out of nowhere and attack us. So we're on automatic a lot of the time. You know, we surviving, live, we, not thriving. Yes, exactly right. And we're in the doing more than we are in the being. being. Exactly. And we are human beings. That's right. And we are, which is one of my favorite quotes by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. One of mine also. Yeah. Okay, so
1: so many things. Uh, So let's get back to the clouds. You know, sometimes if you look at your thoughts as clouds and the clouds just pass by. So how would you help people with that judgmental voice in their head? I like to call it the ego. People call it all different things. So that judgmental voice, that negative voice that never shuts up that tries to run the show how do you help your clients um do you you know i've heard different i have my own views on it other people say you know you can tell it to shut up but then other people say no you don't tell it to shut up because it's going to be there you embrace it with
0: compassion so what is your way of working with that voice specifically to mindfulness you're aware of it you don't try to push it away having an awareness of the inner critic which we all have to varying degrees and for some people, it's pretty brutal. Right. For some people, not only are they judgmental of others, but they're very judgmental of themselves. So what mindfulness does is it, it gives us the awareness of what we're thinking, of what we're feeling. So for example, let's just say I go into judgment and I'm about to judge somebody. With the practice of mindfulness, it becomes habitual. It's like strengthening a muscle. So with the awareness of, oh, I'm... That wasn't very nice, what I just thought about that person. Why am I judging them? You know, I don't, I don't even know them. I'm judging them based on how they look or the sound of their voice or how they're dressed. Why am I doing that? Is that kind? Is that compassionate? Would I want someone to think that of me? Having the awareness, because as I said, we go on automatic. And being judgmental is one of the activities of the mind. So when we have an awareness of it. We can change it. I actually have a whole chapter in my first book says who, on judgmental thoughts. I said we can walk into a party and see somebody for the first time that we've never met before and go, I don't like them. Based on what? Do you know? I mean, I know we have this sort of tribal thing about us. Like we identify, oh, she, oh, she's wearing black. I'm wearing black. Oh, okay. We we're kind of or there's something similar between us. And then you meet somebody who's different than you and looks different than you and isn't into the same things you're into, and suddenly you make a decision that you don't like that person.
1: And judgments, when we judge people or ourselves, it's, it, you, you can't connect. You can't connect with somebody else, and when we are judging ourselves, we can't connect with ourselves. That's right. So maybe it's also a wake-up call to an incentive, let's say, to when you find yourself judging yourself or others, to just know that this you're getting farther and farther away from connecting with yourself and connecting with other humans.
0: Absolutely, and you don't even have the incentive to connect with somebody. You've already basically blocked them. You've already in your own mind yes. rejected them.
1: And it's your own insecurity. That's
0: right. And I think issue. these I think these um, behaviors, if we really look closely at these types of behaviors, we're going to see what's wrong with the world because judgment is what creates Prejudice yes. and what creates hatred yes. and what creates racism. You know, we all have these seeds in us. And that's why I'm a big believer that we need to do our own inner work. Yes. And we need to look at things like the shadow that Jung called the shadow, which are aspects of ourselves we may not like or want to look at. So it's easy to project that on someone else and say, oh, I don't like them. Do you know? So unless we really do what I call our mental cleanup. Mm-hmm. which I'd say in Says Who, we're really not going to be very open to other people that are different than us. And I do think that that is really a uh, microcosm. You know, So the micro-macro, the way we behave with ourselves and to others really reverberate, reverberates out into the world and we can see what's wrong with the world. We have to take responsibility.
1: Right. And, and what we're talking about also is just being authentic. And when we are authentic and... If we look at everything as everything's a reflection of what's going on inside of us, the more authentic we are, the more we will draw in people that are authentic. We will inspire people, right?
0: Absolutely, because you really are, I've been asked that question, like, what is it about authenticity that is so positive? I said, when you see somebody who's really being real and really being true to who they are and they're comfortable in their authentic skin, it's very attractive.
1: Yeah, it's, And yeah. so
0: we look at that person and we think, wow, they are really comfortable with themselves. That's attractive.
1: Do you know? To be walking around speaking our truth, being our truth.
0: Absolutely. Like being who we really are and not live pretending. Live true. Yes. I say live <laughs> true, live, live you. Tr- live true. Uh, that's right. I mean, and, is that so hard to do? And that's the
1: thing. Like people, people will come into my office and, and it seems like it's daunting but actually, it's the easiest thing in the world to just be yourself. And it's freeing. Yeah.
0: It's freeing, but it, I can understand takes, the resistance. Work. And I can understand, look, everybody, the same way that we have judgment is the same way we have the inner critic and the insecurities. And that oftentimes the things that we don't think people are going to love about us is what keeps us inauthentic. Because, Absolutely. you know, that insecurity, that inner voice that doesn't have self-love will say, oh, but if I show them who I really am, they're not going to love me.
1: And then they're going to stay small forever, their lights are going to dim, and then that's going to be their life. Yeah. Or there's the alternative where they can own who they
0: are and love who they are and shine that light. That's right. You know, I say it's a lot harder to be who we're not and to be who you are. Yes. Because you've got to keep up. It takes so much up. energy. It takes up so much energy, and you have to keep up a front and a facade. And it's oh like you God. have to be on all the time. And, you know, I always love those stories when you hear, like, someone say, you know, I went to the market, I had no makeup on, I had my sweats on, and I met my soulmate. Yes. You know, it's like people fall in love, you know, and they fall in love with something that they're recognizing in each other authentic. that's authentic.
1: My, my friend in Chicago... Betsy. I don't think she'll care. <laughs> Anyhow, years ago, she had just had a breakup. And we were on the phone actually around that time. And she was like, I'm just going to take some time, you know, to recover. I'm not ready to jump into a relationship. And then, like, two days later, she calls me and she was like, Jamie, I was going to the dry cleaners. <laughs> and this is Chicago in the middle of winter where you wear like the marshmallow jackets all the way down to the ground. And she was like, I was wearing this park. I looked horrible. And I met this guy, David. And I was like, "And what's the problem?" She's like, "I looked horrible, and I'm not ready." And I was like, "Betsy, you never know when that when the person's going to show up." And
0: they ended up getting married. See, those are the great stories because what that tells us is that who we think we are sometimes, or what we think we need to show to others, is not even what they're seeing in us. Yeah. Do you know our own thing? Yeah. I mean, I say that a lot when I'm doing public events, and I and scan the room, and I'm seeing, it's like I see people's souls, and I think like, if you could see you the way I see you, is that you're beautiful, mm, you know, yeah. and sometimes it takes another person seeing us different than we see ourselves, and the, the work is really about learning how to see ourselves, accepting who we really are, and living the authentic self, trusting it. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, trusting that whatever we feel and however we we want to show up is our truth. Yeah, and whatever we want to say, we need to say. We need to be seen and we need to be heard. But it is hard. I mean, it's hard. It takes
0: practice. Practice. Yes, it is a you muscle. Know, this, this takes practice. That means that you know this is the kind of self talk that you want to have daily. This is the mindful self talk. You want to start your day aware of how you want to be out in the world. And that's what mindfulness helps us do. Mindfulness helps support our authenticity. It helps us stay aware of when we're being inauthentic. Do you know what I say about mindfulness? It not only helps us stay in the moment, but it makes us more aware when we want to slip out of the moment. Mm -hmm. It makes us not only want to be authentic, but it makes us more aware of when we're about to be inauthentic. I call it like the, the inner truth barometer you know, it's constantly guiding us. Talk about a GPS. If When you start to really practice present moment awareness and being truthful in the moment of now, mm-hmm. you start to become so much, so much more well-adjusted to being authentic and present that you start to really, that becomes your new normal. And you begin to become more aware of when you're not not and you're like turning that. your back on yourself yes yeah. so when you're you not know? aligned with yourself yes becomes the practice becomes the the real you and then you don't want to give that up so quickly you start to like the it real feels good. Yeah. you're like I rather like myself do you know and I think more and more people who, who are really struggling with that if you really begin to practice that and make that commitment you're going to want to live like that
1: right once you get a taste of it you want to yeah. it forever yeah so a lot of people when I try to teach this stuff, people feel worried that it's going to be like that they're going to be selfish and cocky and I, I always say it's not selfish, it's self full.
0: That's right. You're not full
1: of yourself. You are full and you're whole and and it just it
0: feels it just feels so beautiful and it does. I mean, you don't have to suddenly be an egomaniac, you know, when it's you're not being about- when you're being true to who you are, that means that you're showing the best of yourself, which I would think then you are showing your kindness. Yes. And you're yeah, showing your thoughtfulness. And you're showing your compassion and you're caring. So it's not going to make you less of a, you know, caring or a selfless person. If anything, it'll make you more selfless. Do you know? You can show up not just being so me-centric all the time. And when we are loving ourselves, we
1: just want to love other people. Like, yes. there's no, the ego isn't there. So it's not, there's no competition, and there's not the judging anymore. And it's just love, and then you bring in more love.
0: You do, you're, you're in the flow. Flow, You yes. know, you're in the flow of life. Yeah. And you're aligned with the truth of yourself. So therefore, you are really aligned with the truth of the way nature works nature isn't false so if you're aligned with the true nature of you i feel like we're in accordance and we're in alignment with the way the universe works and that's when you can feel a sense of what's called oneness Mm -hmm. wholeness you don't feel separate i don't feel separate from you i don't feel separate from other i don't feel separate from anything and anyone around me and it's such a beautiful way to go through life i agree now speaking of oneness let's talk about
1: love oh my favorite (laughs) subject so oneness, I believe two whole people come together. They form a new one entity. It's, you know, it's not two halves make a whole. So, so love, how have you worked with your clients in terms of whether someone wants to manifest love or if it's a couple that is already kind of going through issues, um, helping them? Um, and do you have a particular population Singles, couples, breakups, divorces—that you love working with the most?
0: All of it, and I'm—I'm I'm I'm also a wedding officiant, so I've—I've a, a oh. officiated weddings. Oh, that's amazing! And I literally bring mindfulness into—if they want me to write their speech or their vows, I bring mindfulness into it. So she's
1: available at I'm, the end.
0: <laughs> yes. Do you have a separate website? <laughs> no, it's I think it's on my website, but I do like and it. I and I love working with couples that really want to enter into this sacred union with consciously. Consciously and wanting to embark on this journey together committed to mindfulness. Do you know which is something that is going to take your relationship higher for sure? So I think that, you know, I, I just spoke about that the other night, that m- the benefits of mindfulness in relationships is huge. Do you know, it makes you more present, It makes you more present with your partner, it makes you more sensitive with your partner, it makes you a better listener. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it mm-hmm. makes you really Either. connect to your partner in a much more conscious way. Who doesn't want to be in a relationship based on, you know, being more conscious with your partner? and when you enter into difficulty you use mindfulness skills to work through them rather than waiting to you know feel so resentful that mindfulness makes you aware of your communication so that you're not saying things things aren't rolling out of your mouth that you wish you hadn't said you're consciously aware of when you're maybe not getting your needs met mm-hmm. so that you can communicate it consciously to your partner Do you know i think all relationships should start with that. And if you don't, you're going to have to kind of implement that along the way because things build up very quickly in relationships and you want to keep your relationship conscious and there are ways in which to do that. You know, so what I tell people, whether they're going into relationships and I love to work with couples that are embarking on their union together or people that have had difficulty in relationships and are really learning how to be more mindfully aware of their own self-love. And their own worth Mm -hmm. so that maybe what didn't work for them prior in their relationships because maybe they were being inauthentic yes and you know that's something that i hear a lot of in relationships where there's patterns where people have gone from person to person and not fully really realizing who they are or letting their partner see who they are and then one day they wake up and they go i can't be this person anymore
1: yeah and a lot of times those people of either blame the other person or just they never look inwards you know it's well well it was their fault you know I'm just gonna move on to the next and until they actually own what's going on because it, it really never is about the other person but if you can just own yeah that this is what is going on inside of me so I'm gonna work on what's going on inside of me so that I don't attract the same relationship over
0: right and it. that's a mindful awareness of your patterns your habits you know, some of your conditioning, maybe, or some your of the stories, you're th- telling your yourself. stories, the narratives, you know, that's why says who, you know, really takes a deep dive into that about the beliefs that we have, the thoughts that we carry over from childhood that become a part of our core beliefs that we carry into adulthood. Yeah. And as I say, and says who you are, the creator and master of your internal dialogue, which creates a reality. What reality do you want to create? So it's being more mindfully aware of the thoughts that we're telling ourselves daily. You know, that's the beauty of mindfulness is you become so aware of the thoughts that are on automatic that you can do something that I have in my first book, Says Who, the release and replace technique, which is when you have a negative thought, you can replace it with its positive counterpart. And I always say that is such an easy exercise that people just think it's like, oh, that that's that's so easy. Well, try it. Just try right. it. Try replacing your or negative maybe, thoughts with positive thoughts. Maybe they feel, oh, that's easy, what
1: is it gonna do? But you're saying once you start actually doing it. Right.
0: Because I think people sometimes don't trust that if something's that easy, how does it work? Well, just try it and see how you how you do. And if you really commit to changing out those negative thoughts that might say, I'm never gonna meet my soulmate, who's gonna love me, I'm not lovable, I'm never gonna get my dream job, you know, all the inner Dialogue. You know, dialogue that we tell ourselves. Or monologue. (laughs) Yes. Just that voice yapping away. Yeah, exactly right. So these are changes, you know, and that's, again, the beauty of mindfulness is that we really take that step towards change by being mindfully aware of what it is we want to change about ourselves and do it with kindness and acceptance. You know, it's very important. And compassion. And compassion, which are uh, the other elements of mindfulness practice. It's being in the present moment with total awareness, self-acceptance, and I always say the cherry on top is self-love.
1: Yes. And it's just, it's really about just going back, like we were talking about, going back inside and just, people really are not, people are sleeping, right? walking around, sleeping. Oh, yes, not, they are. <laughs> not even close to aware. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even know there's that voice. Absolutely. And then when you point it out, then they just, they don't really accept that it's as detrimental maybe as it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a 12-step program. You know, the first thing you need to do is be aware. Like,
0: okay, yes. That's right. This it, is not helpful. It's this absolutely right. not helpful. You me. know, the, I, I love that you brought up sleep because... I do feel that way. I feel that people are a lot of the times sleep, through they're sleepwalking. They're going through the motions. They're on automatic. And they feel like they're in victim mode, you know? Yeah, there's that. But there's also, Jamie, you know, a thing that has to be talked about, and that is that people are anesthetizing themselves. They're, yeah. they're medicating or self-medicating, yes. and the opioids crisis is huge. So what are people nutting themselves about? What is it that they're not able to handle and, do you know? Oh, and this is another thing that I wanted to bring
1: up. I feel like if we pose to people that this is, you have the power to do this. It's if they start when they start to feel empowered, instead of going to the drugs or whatever they're going to go to, when they realize and they believe and they know that they have the power, we all have the power to change from within.
0: Everything. We do. And I know that it's scary for a lot of people and taking that you have fir- to be honest and, and taking that first step it can be very, very scary. I understand that. You know, you've lived a certain way for so long. You've lived without self love. You've you you've lived with low self esteem. You've lived with with telling yourself things about yourself that aren't true. So these is be- these have become very deep embedded beliefs that we have about ourselves. So it's, you know, I know one of the what is it, the twelfth step saying is you gotta be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm, Yeah. You know, you gotta you you know, it's hard to say, oh, you gotta reach your bottom. You know, that can be really difficult. And I have I really have compassion for that. Mm. That it's so scary to take that first step. But for somebody who really wants to change because they're suffering, just that one step can be the very thing that sets them on the path of transformation.
1: And also what you said before, which is so true, that when someone sees in us something that maybe we don't see, it's just that glimmer of it. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories of people that were going to commit suicide and then just they felt love because love is so powerful. They felt seen, whatever it is. So sometimes that's what it takes.
0: Yeah, it is. It is that asking for help, you know, asking for guidance. And I know when we have mental health, you know, day and month, it's really, and I'm glad that it's being talked about more because help is out there, you know, and it's necessary. People need to know that there's help out there. And there's so many things that are available to you today that more today than ever before. And some of these skills, some of these modalities that I'm talking about are things that people can even do themselves. They just need to have to learn it.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yep. And
0: practice. And practice it, of course.
1: So I wanted to read a quote from your book. She didn't know I was going to be doing this, but it's a great one, and it has to do with love. And I feel like it's very powerful. Um, Page 157 for those of you that will be purchasing this book. I know all of you will. (laughs) We'll share the link and everything. Um, So it says, love is the super glue that keeps our wholeness together, and when we don't nurture it, that is when we become broken. If for no other reason that when something isn't held together, well, it stands a greater chance of becoming damaged. Protecting our wholeness should be paramount,
0: especially knowing that it protects
1: our ability to love. Mm -hmm. Powerful.
0: Thank you. I, I just got a whole wave of what I felt when I wrote that, you know. Yeah, love. Love is 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 a gift. It's a gift. We have it in us. We have this ability to love, and yet we keep ourselves from love. We keep ourselves from loving ourselves, which then gives us a hard time to love another person or to receive love. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. But it is the glue. It is the great glue. Do you know? It really is. It's the glue that keeps our heart whole and intact and. Sometimes it's just the very thing that we need to connect to. You know, you talked about earlier about what, you know, it's, it's our desire to connect. I think so much of the pain is because people are not connecting. Yes. They don't, they don't feel a connection. So to that, themselves t- and others. Right, to themselves and even the use of drugs. It's like you want to feel that connection. I think it's wanting to feel a connection to something that's much higher. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I feel in a more spiritual sense is that we all want to feel whole We want to feel, you know, whole again. And if you do feel broken, you don't feel whole at all. Right. Do you know? So it's love. Love is the answer for sure.
1: Love really, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but love does cure everything. It
0: feels good. It does. And that's why, you know, again, yes, it's easy to say love yourself. You know, when it's hard to do if you don't feel that. And also for us to be really mindful of how we can love others better Mm -hmm. you know it is saying i love you more it is giving someone a hug you know it is being affectionate and demonstrative you know we can speaking about relationships we can forget to do that even in our relationships we can start to take each other for granted and not tell each other we love each other as much whether it's in our friendships or it's family or it's romantic or marriage, whatever, we have to remember to, what I like to say, stay in the love zone. Yes, yes. You know, not, not to move too far out of the love zone. You know, bring ourselves
1: back to the love Be zone. Be in that zone. Yeah. So Julia Roberts, um, and I, just, I would not have thought about this, but um, I was watching an interview the other day, um, and she said that she and her husband, Danny Motor, they, every day, they make it a point to greet each other and give each other a hug, like not just a, oh, hi, you know, how was your mm-hmm. day, but just like a, a heart-to-heart
0: yeah. hug. And yeah. there's
1: something energetically that happens when you have a heart-to-heart hug. Oh, yeah. Whether it maybe one of them, maybe both of them had amazing days, but you know, and they still hug. But say one of them had uh, just a rough day, there's something reparative, restorative that happens with a hug.
0: Absolutely, and I love that you use the word repair and restore because in Live True, I have something called mindfulness repair, and it's one of my favorite little little tips in that I say, you can get up in the morning, you're, You know which mindfulness really helps us from the minute we open our eyes to be in gratitude by being grateful that we're alive one more day, but oftentimes we jump out of bed, get in that shower, guzzle our coffee, get in the car, and we're on the freeway. Well, what do we do? we don't look our partner in the eye we don't say I love you we might not even be conscious about how we're talking to our children so what I say is catch that and the sooner you catch it the better and you know sometimes you can hurry to get out out of the house and you're in the car and you're like oh my god I forgot to tell my partner I love them I forgot to look them in the eye and say have a great day I mean it's unbelievable how we could be so rushed that we're not even looking at each other in the eyes, do you know? So mindfulness repair is a great tool to suddenly be aware of like, oh, I didn't tell my partner that I love them. I'm going to circle back to them. Or maybe I'll call them right now. Send a text with some cute emojis. That's exactly right. and <laughs> send some flowers. <laughs> it's something where you can say, hey, sweetheart, I'm sorry that I was so rushed when I got out when I was, you know, leaving today. I I wanted to tell you that I love you. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how appreciative that person will feel when we haven't been really mindful. So, you know, the story about Julia Roberts and her husband, I think that's beautiful because those are that's mindfulness. That's practicing mindfulness. That's practicing being present and being in the present moment with love, whether it's, again, the love for yourself or it's the love for your partner or mm-hmm. both.
1: You Mm -hmm. know, yeah, it's everything. Yeah, yeah, and then especially, and then also their kids, if they happen to be around to see their parents loving each other. Yeah,
0: you know, it's too easy, like I said, to slip out of the love zone. It's too easy. We're creatures of habit, and it's very easy for us to get complacent. You know, we have a tendency to get complacent. We have a tendency to get bored, and we must be careful not to take each other for granted. And mindfulness helps that. Again, it keeps our awareness sharp. It keeps our, our awareness heightened. And when, when we heighten our awareness, we're raising consciousness. Yes, we, we are. We become more conscious human beings. And then it spreads. That's, it's, right. It's, That's right. It's inspirational to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then just one more thing about couples is that, that you're making me think of is that couples also, when we have new experiences, because you said bored, Um, There's a certain level of if you literally do the same thing every day and eat the same foods every day, like that's I believe that's surviving, not thriving. And in a relationship, especially to have new experiences together, you could go on a walk. It doesn't need to be like a trip to Hawaii, although trips to Hawaii are amazing. Um, (laughs) You know, new experiences and fun and being alive and enjoying life together helps the couple grow and thrive
0: Absolutely. That's why staycations are so sweet, you know, that, or taking a walk. I take walks with my husband and, you know, things that we ask each other to do that maybe there's something I like to do that I'll include him in. Or he likes, he's a big walker. He often invites me to walk with him. You know, there are things that we can do together or, you know, kind of like make those little dates with each other. And it doesn't have to be something extravagant. It can be like you're literally having a date in your own house yeah whatever
1: it is it's it's also exercising our brain to be thoughtful right like we were when we first started dating
0: yeah you know and that's the thing is that if you think about falling in love how present are we when we are when we're falling in love we think about nothing else it's like you know i love that french saying coup de foudre strike of lightning like usually when they, they you know like when you fall in love with someone you feel like you've just been struck by lightning how present are you? Yes. You are so present when you fall that's in love with somebody. You know, you are all in. That's all you think about. You're that's at right. Work, that's all you think yeah, about. Yeah, you're like, a, you're constantly. You're peeing like, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> all you
1: do, that's, that's right. all you think about. You know, so. That's what we should start telling, ta- like, just think about that time you fell in love or just you had that first crush or whatever it was. Even a crush, just think about how focused you were. You can
0: do that. Right. So we have to. we have to be aware of how... With time, I mean, it's just relationships are notorious for that. With time, you start to get lazy. You start to get complacent. You start to take each other for granted. And you don't sometimes keep up your best self, do you know. And again, yes, one could say, well, but if I'm authentic, that I can be all things in front of my partner. Yes, you can, but you also want to be mindful and considerate and thoughtful. Like being rude just because you feel like
1: being rude. It's authentic
0: to you. That's not authentic. (laughs) No, no,
1: that's being rude. (laughs) Authenticity, like we say, is kindness and compassion. That's right. Because authenticity is when you're tapped into your heart and our hearts are not rude.
0: (laughs) And caring, and caring. Yeah, rude is
1: being sloppy. Yeah. And that's not being mindful. Yeah, lazy. Yeah, exactly. We
0: agree. Yeah.
1: So um, anything else you'd like to share and or how people can contact you. Now we have another event. We have the, the marriage thing also. So I feel like there's a lot that you need to tell them. About marriage? No, about um, how to
0: contact <laughs> marriage you. Marriage is a good thing, yes, <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> about that you officiate weddings.
0: And, I, and. Do, I do, I do. I love officiating weddings. And I love the whole idea of supporting, like I said, for couples to really, I think marriage is a sacred union. I really do. And I think if you enter into that union valuing it as such, if you really recognize that this is a a sacred union and that we have joined this in this bond together, I feel it's it's a spiritual evolution. Yes. Because you're growing and you're evolving together. And once that becomes stagnant and you're not practicing mindfulness, then that's when you're really not, you know, you're not feeling that it's no longer a sacred union. So I'd love to help people with that. It, it's sad that so many relationships end and they don't have to, do you know? It's like sometimes just when you're about to walk out the door is, I mean, unless you genuinely don't love your partner anymore. Uh, I, I respect that and I get it. But I'll, I think there's so much that people can still do with each other to work through these things and not, not just in talk therapy, where you keep the problem and you keep, you know, recycling right, the problem, right. but that you start to learn new skills with each other and really implement that. It's healing. You can literally resuscitate a relationship that way. So I'm a big believer in that.
1: Right. And at the same time, I do believe that, you know, some people come into your life for a certain amount of time and like the karma and then you Yes, you of course. do the karma and then um, you know, some people are just not supposed to be together, but they were supposed to be together for a certain amount of time. Right, so, but you want to
0: be conscious in the time that you're together, and you want to be conscious in the way that you part. Do you yeah. know?
1: Conscious uncoupling. Yes,
0: yes, love that. That's a good that, book. That's written by my dear friend Catherine Woodward Thomas, and it's a fantastic book, and it's true. Conscious coupling and, con- and conscious, conscious uncoupling. uncoupling if needs be. Yes. Be conscious, no matter yeah, what you be do. be conscious in all that you
1: do. Yeah. It's the next movement. Just be conscious. Yeah. So, and people can contact you on your website. Right,
0: oranadrich.com. And my website is chock full of a lot of things. It's got what I'm doing and articles and, and workshops. And I just um, am implementing mindfulness in the workplace. So I'm super excited about that. I've been interviewed a lot and done many interviews in business magazines about Wonderful. how uh, the World Health Organization has just cited uh, workplace burnout, a disease. Mm. So I, I think we need to bring mindfulness into the workplace people. It is so needed. Yes. It's, ser- it's serious business. And then I have a workshop that I'm doing in February at Multiversity, 1440 Multiversity in beautiful Scotts Valley with Dr. Ron Alexander, Mind, Meditation, and Happiness. And then I'll be at the end of next year at Omega Institute. So Wonderful. aside from all other things that I'll be doing in between. So my website, yes, check my website. Is it my all, website. On all It on? is. It's all on my website.
1: And do you have any type of like newsletter or emails that go out if
0: people I sign up? I do, yes, sign up. You can sign up to be on my mailer and receive the newsletter. So, I encourage that. And I just, even though November's almost over, I I had just implemented a Raise Your Consciousness Challenge, which is how to live true, on Facebook. So, that's still happening where people can get involved in that and still jump in. I think there's still time to jump in. So, yeah, give me your email, be a part of the community, the mindfulness community, and take the journey with us. Well, you are amazing. Thank you. You're very. You're busy amazing lady. too.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very busy lady doing what I call, I call my work heart work, not hard work. Yes, heart work. I love that. Yes. It is. And if you need to contact me or just have any questions, my website is therelationshipexpert.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for joining us today. Thank you,
0: Jamie, for having me.
1: It was such a wonderful conversation yes time flies when you're having fascinating conversations thank you thank
0: you you're listening to love talk live with the relationship expert jamie bronstein only on la talk radio